Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. The Titanic was supposed to be unsinkable. It was a ship built by men who engineered multiple compartments, so no matter what happened to the ship, even if it ran into something, it was not supposed to be sinkable because it had separate watertight compartments. So, with the arrogance of man and the mission before them, they set out on their sail, set out on their maiden voyage, feeling like nothing could sink this boat. Even papers saying that not even God can sink it. It's impossible to sink the Titanic. How many know that's not a good idea to challenge the Lord? So whenever they hit the iceberg, they didn't just scratch in and cut into one watertight compartment. They ripped through three and almost into four different watertight compartments, which allowed the ship to take on so much water that it began to sink. And the interesting stories that we find now in the history that they can go back and they can even dive down and look at the wreckage, they realize that as people were evacuating the ship, the initial thought was there wasn't enough lifeboats, that they couldn't get everybody off the ship. And that was true to a, to a degree. But really the overall problem that has not been surfaced till just recently is the fact that when a ship that size goes down, it creates a vortex that sucks everything Thing in with it. And so what happens is whenever those people that survived got on the lifeboats, they just thought that others didn't make it in the dark. But really what had happened was the people that had gotten into lifeboats didn't get far enough away from the sinking ship in order for them not to be taken down with what was going under. Amen. There was a drawing down. There was a, there was a creation of massive force that pulled those people already safe from the boat, already on their way out, in a lifeboat, preserved and kept from danger. But because they weren't far enough away from the problem, it sucked them back in. My Bible tells me that if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Jesus saying that there is a spiritual vortex that can take place. Not only can something suck you down because you're too close to it, but if you get close to God, he can draw you up. Amen. So I found that whenever I'm talking about this series of deeper, that I'm preaching to you something that we need to understand that without the proximity understanding of our presence with God, we will never truly understand that God can lift us from our situation, our struggles, and our trials. And so when I'm preaching this, we reviewed the, the deeper series. We're on 3.0, which is the third edition of this. I don't know how many times I'm going to preach on this particular thing. I was supposed to do four weeks, but I really feel like God's given me this stuff. And in the first week, we talked about separation. I just get a re- little review. Is that okay? Separation causes preparation so that you can receive revelation. Amen. 
And so every time you see Jesus move Joseph, or God move Joseph into Egypt, he was separating him for preparation so that he could give him the revelation of what his dreams truly meant. Amen? And you see, you see the children of, of God literally wanting God's spirit so bad. He said, wait, wait, you got to go and you got to be separated into the upper room so that I can make you prepared to receive. Amen? And we talked about the turnaround route. Amen? Remember that? The comeback route where a receiver runs out, hits his defender, turns around and runs back to create a separation between him and the defender so that the, the ball can be thrown and he has a space to receive. And, and I said, it's just like that with God. Have you created a space? Have you created a separation from the world? Somebody preach with me. Have you created a space of consecration and holiness so that you're ready to receive? See, it's not about rules and regulations or what you can and you cannot do. When you truly fall in love with Jesus, and you understand the command in scripture is be ye holy for I am holy then living a holy and godly life is not a rule set for you it is a way in which you separate yourself to receive from God you make yourself available and so people tell me well you can't be holy we have no holiness in us unless it's the Holy Spirit in us our righteousness is as filthy rags the Bible says that's true but if that's only the truth then that commandment is wasted in scripture be ye holy for I, how do we be holy well we get the Holy Spirit inside of us that's true but then how do we fulfill that command by separating ourselves from the world come out from among them and and be ye separate and touch not the unclean thing. Literally, God is saying, if you don't touch it, I will touch you. Amen. If you don't go there, I will come be with you. If you separate yourself, I will join you in that area and give you download and revelation. Amen. So that was number one. Number two, we talked about without faith, it is impossible to believe or to, to receive. And praise God, I'm trying to get to the point which is it's impossible to please God. And that is understanded in the scripture that whenever we fell into sin in the garden, that trust in God was broken by belief that God was withholding from Adam and Eve good things. He, you won't surely die, but you'll know the right and wrong You'll know something God didn't tell you. And he's been selling that same lie. And I shared that with you that God will always come to you and tell you you're missing out on something in the world. There's something out there that you're not getting. You're not having as much fun as they are. You're not enjoying life as much as they will. And the truth of the matter is you will enjoy life more if you're close to God and you put your faith in him. So faith is the doorway. But when you're standing in the door, you're not in. Amen? So whenever things got broken, when faith and trust in God got broken, we don't just have to have faith and trust in God to get in. Amen? That now is the access point. We believe that God put the doorway there, and in the scripture says we have access to that. But in the revelation and in the review that I'm talking about, we have to realize that though it was broken and it was fixed by faith, we also have to clean up the mess that was made. Amen? So we have to sweep up the dirt from the potted plant that was knocked over. You put the plant back up, put dirt back in, it's all okay. I believe it's going to grow again, amen? But there's still a mess on the floor, right? So you have to clean up what was broken, and that's how, why we have the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's why we have new birth through Jesus Christ. For if there was no reason for him, for him to come and die, then we would have no reason for a new birth. 
Amen? If there was no reason for him to come and clean up the mess and we could just believe and be saved, then, then there would be no reason for remission of sins by baptism. Amen? There would be no reason of new birth by filling of the Spirit. So I have to tell you today that while I'm preaching a review here for a minute, that you cannot truly know the width and the length and the height and the depth of God's love without faith. That is your access point. But when you get in there, you realize, I still feel dirty. I need to clean something up. Oh, I read Acts 2.38 for the remission of sins that I'm baptized. I need to go down in a watery grave and bury the old man and come up new. Amen? In Jesus' name. For the name is the detergent factor. You put the name in the water and it cleans the soul. Amen? There's a whole lot of churches cleaning up dirty buckets. A whole lot of churches preaching the cross and Jesus Christ. Cleaning up dirty vessels. But they never fill it full of anything other than just cleaning it up. If you don't understand that you don't just get cleaned up but you get filled with the Holy Ghost that that is important that whenever whenever Paul found the disciples of John he said have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed an opposite and otherwise another event or experience he said well you believe that's great that's the access point that's faith that's the door but have you stepped in to the thing that God has done for you have you stepped in to what God has purchased for you he bought the church in the gospels he he birthed the church in the book of Acts we see that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John people take out of those scriptures and try to make salvation doctrines out of them. Don't ever let somebody tell you that your salvation is in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The church wasn't born till the book of Acts. You have to get it in order. You have to line it up because if you don't, you'll be confused. You have to realize that he purchased the church in the gospels. He birthed the church in Acts and so that way when we understand that John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Ghost, we have have to understand that's the activation force of the Holy Ghost on him. When men of old wrote and penned the gospel while they were moved on by the Holy Ghost, it is not the same as new birth in filling of the Holy Ghost or else Jesus would not have to have gone to the cross. He went to the cross and he must have been, he had to be glorified and he had to go deeper. Amen? He had to come in and go deeper. It took more than just the access point. We believed. We had a relationship with God. It was broken. Now that faith put that relationship back, but now we have to go deeper. Amen. We have to be baptized. We have to be filled with the Spirit. And that's where salvation takes place. That's where new birth happens. And so I'm grateful for the fact that I see old men moved on by the Holy Ghost. I'm grateful that I see John the Baptist activated by the Holy Ghost, but it's not the same as new birth. Amen. Because new birth happened at the book of Acts. And the Bible says that Jesus had to go away because he had to send the promise of the Father. The Holy Spirit is God Almighty in active form in our life. Amen? And if you haven't gone deep enough to feel the power of God, where he fills you with the Holy Ghost, not just cleans your vessel, but pours in something so powerful that you are overwhelmed with God. Now, it's different. It's different if I feel this. You know, I felt that. I did. I just felt that. Do you feel that? You get in the presence of God and you feel God's presence, you can feel Him. Amen? But it's different if you do this. That's good. Yeah, that's real good. It's good. Water is water's good. God made it. That's why it's good. It's different if you drink it rather than be showered in it. So what I'm trying to tell you is 
what happens is the world and the Christendom, world of Christendom is cleaning up vessels and people feel so good, clean. Amen. It feels so good to repent of your sins. It feels so good to have your sins washed. Even those that are baptizing right now, mainstream churches are baptizing in the name of Jesus Christ. They're posting on their websites, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, with people coming up out of the water of baptism with their hands raised. They're baptizing in Jesus' name, but they're cleaning up the vessels but they're not putting in what's important. If this water was imported, it was like really expensive water. Let's say it was worth a million, million dollars, million dollars for this cup. Would I put it in a dirty vessel? Would I put the Holy Ghost in a tainted vessel? No. If this was that expensive, if it costs that much, I would make sure I want to put it into a clean vessel. Amen? Have you ever sat down to eat at a place and the, and the glasses have like water stains on them? And maybe there's a little lipstick stain on one of them? Have you ever been there? Oh man, that's gross. It's pretty nasty. But what, what you have to realize is you won't even drink out of a dirty cup with good water in it. God won't put his spirit, which is like water, into a dirty vessel. Amen? So whenever we ask God to forgive us, he washes us. Then baptism remits it. And then we go deeper and we get filled with God's spirit. And the spirit begins to speak through us. As God speaks through us, we speak in another language. Amen. Amen. And the Holy Ghost is given to us. So I'm preaching long in the review. I don't know why. I just felt like hitting it. 3.0, this time in over our head. I, I don't know if I know how to communicate this quite well, but I've been searching for places for us to be. I'm going to talk to you heart to heart for a minute. I've been searching for places uh, for us to go and a place that can give us all a mission and an, an opportunity to be involved in cleaning and helping and building the church and, and setting up rooms and getting ready and getting all the music set up and all the sound and, and making the church in one spot so we're not setting up and tearing down. I just felt like at January this year that I, I wanted to move there. And I'm sorry if you're a visitor that I'm communicating a little bit of my heart, but I want you to know the setting up and tearing down can have its own wear and tear. It's wear and tear on the equipment. It's wear and tear on us. So I was like, Lord, we want our place. We want a place. And I started praying in January, and I'm like, God, would you show me a building? And I started looking at buildings, looking everywhere, looking at scouring, and I could not find a place. And so last week, I, um, last week on Monday, my flight was canceled. I was supposed to fly out of here and fly to New York. And my flight got canceled for bad weather. And I'm like, oh, Lord, what are you up to? It must be protecting me. You know, it must be prayers of protection. That's what I thought it was. And I got back to the house, and I'm sitting in my car. And I said, Jesus, we need a place. I had, this came over me. And I'm like, Lord, I'm in over my head. I'll admit it. I don't know what to do next. I have searched for buildings. I have tried to find a place for us. I've done everything I can to build the congregation. And even in that, there's people that aren't here today that I'd like to see here. But even in that, I felt overwhelmed. And I'm sitting in my car. I said, God, I surrender it. I, I, want, I want you to take charge and take over. My phone rings. And it's a real estate agent that said, you don't know this, but there's a building that's been sitting empty that's fully developed as a church right down the road in Brookfield. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, and I think the owners would work with you. And I'm like, okay, this is crazy. Literally got off the phone and started weeping. Like, wow, God, you're awesome. 
you did it that quick. And the whole time we were praying from January on, that building sat empty to make the owners more desperate so that we had an opportunity to offer something lower that they may take and accept. We have the opportunity right now before us to step into a fully functional, well, with our, with our gear, fully functional setup with a sanctuary, with a sound booth, with everything. And I'm praying that God will help us. Now, if he gives it to it, Brother Hanthorne said, Brother Calhoun, if God gives this to you, that's God. If he doesn't, it's okay. He goes, I cried over many buildings. <laughs> he goes, but whether God gives it to you or not, God's will will be done. You just have to get out of the way. And so what we do is we have to realize that sometimes God puts us in over our heads, so we'll just simply surrender and get out of the way and let him do what he wants to do. Amen, Carla? That's right. It's true. And so and when we understand that, we have to realize that when we're dealing with our faults and our our perceptions and our understandings, I, I present to you myself as the accumulation of all of my experiences, but he knows me better than all my experiences. Everything that I chose to do good or do wrong, I'm the collective of all those choices, of all those things that I've done in life. And so that's what I present to you. That's what you see as me every single day. But he knows me deeper than that. He knows me better than that. And whenever I surrender myself to the flow of the Holy Ghost, whenever I get under his overflow, he literally creates in me a space for him to show me what really is all, what he's really wanting to put in me and bring out of me. He creates that in me. So I find it interesting that the scripture tells us that in order for us to truly get under the presence of God, we must learn how to pray. So I want to tell you just for five, ten minutes, that in order for you to be in over your head, you have to learn how to pray into God's presence because none of us go there. The Bible tells us that we should, in James 5.16, confess our faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And as he's getting that scripture, I want you to see this. It says that we are to confess our faults to one another. I want to stress to you that it's important to, that you need to share with somebody. You need to have an accountability partner, somebody that you can share. Hey, look, I'm down today. Would you pray for me? I'm feeling vulnerable today. Would you pray for me? But even the things that you've done wrong, you need to have a safe place. But then look at this, that you, and pray one for another. It says, pray for each other so that they may be healed. Notice what the word says, Maurice, so that you may be healed. That doesn't even seem right. It seems like we pray for one another so that they would be healed. But the scripture literally tells us that when you pray for somebody else, it heals you. It's powerful stuff. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or the passionate prayer of an individual, not just man, but mankind. The passionate prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So we understand that we have to go deeper in the way we pray for others because it brings healing to us. We have to go deeper in prayer, in fervent prayer. We have to go deeper in effective prayer, amen? Effectual prayer. We have to understand that we're praying effective prayers every time we pray. When God, when we find that Jesus is praying, he often prayed a stone's throw away or, or he, he separated himself to pray because he knew he needed to pray. Not only as a man, as the man Christ Jesus, he needed to pray, but also he knew the effectiveness of prayer. And so we see that 
in various different places, prayer throughout Scripture is given for different people for different reasons. But I find it interesting that Paul starts to write to the Colossians in um, in Colossians, and I I don't know if I wrote the reference down here, but. I probably didn't. I apologize. I, I wrote this on the plane. It's supposed to be awesome because I was at 32,000 feet, a whole lot closer to God. So, <laughs> But the Bible says that, he was, that there was a servant that was with Paul that he knew about, and he called him a servant of Christ, and he, salute, he saluted them, and he said that he labored fervently for you in prayer. Labored fervently. Have you ever heard of somebody in labor? It's not a pretty picture, okay? No one gets in labor and goes, I think I can stop this. It's, you're going to have the baby once you're in labor, okay? One way or the other. So literally the word labor fervently in this scripture means to agonize in prayer. I don't know how many people are really doing that anymore. I know there's prayer warriors in our midst that really find a place with God, but I have to express to you that there are times when I don't feel like praying and I know I need to pray. There are times when I don't feel like I can do even what I feel in my spirit because I know that my mind is carnal, amen? And the Bible tells us that the carnal mind is enmity with God. In fact, in Romans 8, 6 through 7, there's a couple of verses that speak to this. Romans 8, 6 and 7, it says, For to be carnally minded is death. Everyone say death. He'll get it up there in just a minute. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity. In other words, it means it's hostile. The carnal mind is hostile. So what I'm trying to talk to you today about, if you move down through verse 13, it says that you're, not to, that you're not to live after the flesh because if you live after the flesh, you shall die. Verse 18 says if you, that there will be glory revealed and it's not comparable to the sufferings that we experience in this life, that the glory that's coming in heaven and in the places where we will, will receive reward, it is not to be compared to the suffering of this life. In other words, our suffering in this life is not nearly as difficult as the beauty of the reward in heaven. What we are going to experience at some point, we'll look back and say, that was nothing. That, that was nothing. What I went through was nothing compared to what I can have in God. And you must understand that if you're not saved, you must get saved in order for your sufferings to have a significant purpose in your life. Because there are things we must go through. There's different things we struggle with. We must learn brothers and sisters, how to pray through our carnal minds. Because our carnal mind, the same word that we get carnival from, carnival, the word that comes from the Greek is carnal. It means meaty or fleshy. And our fleshly mind is not spiritual. It cannot understand the things of God. And the only way for you to become spiritual or to walk in the Spirit is A, to be full of the Holy Ghost, and B, to pray your way into it. How many have been in prayer where you felt that point of crossover? Where you're praying and stuff keeps coming to your mind that you have to do later and you, you really need like some sort of pen and paper to write it down because you have to get it out of your mind and this happens in the morning when I pray. I get up and I start praying and all of a sudden stuff starts coming to me that I need to do that day. Have you ever had that happen? Oh, you need to do this. Oh, the car's empty. You need to fill it with gas on the way to work. Oh, you, All this stuff starts showing up because my mind does not want me to get into the Spirit. Your mind literally is hostile to the Spirit of God. That is what carnal or enmity means. In the next verse, verse 8, Romans 8 and verse 7, it says, because the carnal mind is enmity. So therefore, when we understand that the mind does not want us to go to a spiritual 
difficult place with God, we have to be willing to force it to go there. We must literally pray ourselves into a deeper place of the overflow of God's power and presence. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your carnal mind works against the Spirit of God. And so if we know that, we know that when we get up in the morning, it's going to be a fight to pray. When we come to church, it's going to be a fight to pray. And I'm not talking about now I lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep kind of prayers. I'm not talking about thank you, Lord, for this food. Bless it. Jesus' name. Amen. I'm talking about when you set designated time to get on your knees and say, God, I need to spend a moment with you because I cannot know you and the power of your resurrection as well if I don't get out of this carnal mind and get into a spiritual mindset. I don't want to walk in the flesh. I want to walk in the spirit. And you can't do that if you never pray your way out. If you never pray your way out of a carnal mind. So the Bible says there's a spiritual drink. I don't know whose water I'm drinking, but in Jesus' name, I'm okay. There's a couple of cups up here. But that feels really good, amen? That's why they call it refreshments. It's refreshing. There's people that in the scriptures in Acts chapter 2 and verse 14 that thought that those that separated themselves for preparation, for revelation, to receive the Holy Ghost in the upper room, when they got filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance, they spilled out into the streets. And people from all over the area were there celebrating in the city, and they're like, how do we hear all of these people speaking in our language? It's crazy. I don't even understand it. I think they're drunk. They must be drunk. And Peter, in verse number 14 of Acts chapter 2, standing up, if you throw that up there, Nate, I appreciate it. Peter stands up, 2 and 14, and he says, "These." he stands up with 11. They want to make sure you know that it's not just Peter being crazy again, that he's got some backing on this. <laughs> so he lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken unto my words. He said, okay, listen. I know they're being crazy, but listen to me real quick. Go to the next verse if you would, Nate. For these are not drunken, as you suppose. He thought they had too much to drink. Seeing it is but the third hour of the day. That means it was 9 a.m. At 9 a.m., do you know anybody that gets drunk unless they're a drunk? Amen? And the interesting thing is the analogy is drunkenness. They literally thought they were out of their mind on some kind of wine. Okay? They were drunk and Peter says, no, no, that's not it. This is a new wine. Go on to the next verse, if you would. They're not drunk, being but this is that which is spoken of the prophet Joel. So the scripture says, Peter's got backing by the 11 disciples. He's not just speaking by himself. And then Peter stands up and says, I'm going to substantiate what I'm about to say by going back to the prophets because you learn from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Amen? So he says, I'm going to back this up by the prophet Joel. Go on to the next verse if you would, Nate. Thank you for staying with me. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. What's God doing? He's cleaned the vessels. Now he's pouring in the important stuff. Amen. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Go on to the next verse. 
and on my servants and on my handmaidens, he's saying, men and women, I will pour out on, in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. Next verse. And I will show wonders in heavens above and signs in the earth beneath, fire, blood, fire, vapor, and smoke. Next verse. So things are going to happen. And the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon. There's revelation here. There's, there's great stuff going on here. But before that great day and notable day of the Lord comes. So before he comes, there's going to be great things that happen. But what I wanted to stop with for a second is the fact that some of us simply aren't drunk enough. <laughs> the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is new wine. How many know that every 21-year-old thinks they need to go get drunk on their birthday in our culture? They think that that's the thing to do. We just need to go have a party, get crazy, have a good old time. That's where it's at. But I want you to know that God said that you need to be drunk with new wine. In fact, Scripture tells us in one place that we are not to be drunk with wine. We're in his excess, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm playing with my nose. Forgive me. But be filled with the Holy Ghost, that we're supposed to walk after the Spirit. How many know that's true? So... The interesting thing that I found is when I was looking at the analogies between drunk people and between church people, we're not doing what drunk people do very often. The interesting thing is drunk people don't mind another drink. <laughs> There's never enough to drink. My glass is empty. I need another drink. They don't care how long they're at the bar. They have to shut the bar down and kick them out. We leave before the preacher's done. We check out in our mind. We're making our, sh our shopping list in our head. We're thinking about what we're doing later. And we need to get more drunk on the Spirit of God. Amen? It is the Spirit of God. So the interesting thing that I find is that whenever you talk to some people, they're like, I just don't feel church like I used to. It's just not the same. And the people there are just hypocrites. You know, there's people that are like that. They just, they don't, they used to love church. They used to love being at the house of God. But now it's just, I don't know, it's just not the same anymore. It just doesn't have its ring and it's, it doesn't have its draw like it used to. The problem is not in the Holy Spirit and the new wine that God has given to the church. The problem is they're not partaking in the wine. Because you can't drink in what God gave us and not be changed by it. What happens is people get in the bar and they start drinking. And pretty soon what they put in starts affecting what's on the outside. And the same thing happens with the Holy Ghost. When you drink this new heavenly wine, I'm talking about a spiritual drink, the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, is any man thirsty? Let him come unto me and let him drink. What's he talking about? The Holy Spirit of God being in us, filling us with his spirit, that we are to drink of the overflow, literally, not just drink it, but literally get submerged, get just tanked, to get underneath the flow of God, to get underneath the barrel and just take a good old drink. Amen? And the problem is that some of us aren't drunk enough because if we were drinking as much if we were partaking as much it affects the way you start walking amen for some reason what you put in starts affecting the way in which you walk and I'm so grateful that I don't go to the places that I used to go I'm so grateful that I don't have desires in the area that I used to desire it's not out there brothers and sisters it's in the new wine not their wine not the drink on the top shelf it is what Jesus brought the Holy Spirit and that wine changed the way I walked
And the funny thing is, it started changing the way I talked. <laughs> it started changing something on the inside of me, and I got so happy. I had joy. I didn't have a reason to be happy, but everybody had to tell me a joke. I just wanted to laugh. And the funny thing is, I got like Superman complex. I thought that every girl in the bar wanted to talk to me. Every girl in the bar thought I was really attractive. It didn't matter if I smelled funny. It didn't matter if I had too much to drink. That girl wants to talk to me right now. Everybody became, no, I've never been in a bar like that and never been drunk like that, okay? I'm using the analogy. I don't know what that life is like, all right? Okay, so I'm just saying that everybody becomes approachable when you're drunk and when you're inebriated, amen? And what you have to understand is when you stop partaking of the new wine, when you start Stop praying your way out of your carnal mind and into a spiritual walk and a spiritual mindset. You start to believe that nobody wants what you have. Oh, somebody help me preach. You start believing that there are some people that are unapproachable with the gospel message. But I tell you, if you would just get to the trough, if you would just get to a place and get a little more of the Holy Ghost inside of you, you would be so drunk everybody's approachable everybody likes what I got everybody wants what I'm drinking amen this is the good stuff this stuff can taste horrible but they're like give me more of that I like it <laughs> put something inside just drop something in there that makes it better and I'll drink both of them <laughs> they don't even care they're so happy. I, I ran into people on Times Square on Friday night. Actually, it was Thursday night we got down there. I just stayed on the square and checked it out. And I was standing there going, thank God I'm in the world and not of it. <laughs> it is just amazing the kind of sin that we sell nowadays in our culture. And we don't even know it's sin anymore. Guys walking by me talking about strip clubs and things. And they're like, oh, wow, there's strip clubs. A block. I don't even know what's on the strip. I'm just down there looking at the clock. Wow, that's pretty cool. Come on, 1111. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to catch a picture for a friend of mine, Jonica, my friend. He, he catches the phone all the time. He, he catches the clock always at 11.11. So I'm like, I'm going to get Times Square. I'm going to get 11.11 for my bro. So I was like just down there taking it all in. And, pe and there's people slow dancing and love and kissing. And they're having a good old time. There's nobody in the world except for them. They're so in love with each other. They're having a great time just slow dancing. And the subway is going by underneath. And there's all kinds of stuff going on. And people are just everywhere. And I'm like, okay, stop. Everybody just stop for a second. It's too hectic. I just want to sit. And so there's all this stuff going on. And there's people in the middle of it that don't even recognize all the stuff going on because they're so in love with each other and two people are like I love you baby this is great thanks for bringing me to New York they can't even talk they can't even find their phone this one girl's like trying to find her phone. I don't even know if I can work this thing right now I'm she was so inebriated and she's still standing there's nothing going on around them but what they're doing they're so excited and in love it's fantastic because it is an analogy to 
to me that no matter what happens in this world, no matter what's going on in life, no matter who does what, no matter if ISIS takes the dams over in Saudi Arabia, no matter what takes place, no matter how close we are to Revelations chapter 21 and getting out of here because Jesus is coming back. I was talking to somebody about that last night. No matter how close we are to Jesus coming back, I can still be so in love with Jesus that he's the only thing I see, that I'm just having a slow dance with the groom because someday he's going to call me home and someday all that drinking and all that worshiping and all that praising is going to mean something because I had the right drink. I had the right place. I knew where to go to get the right stuff. Don't let... Oh my goodness. Don't let somebody sell you this world. There's nothing out there. We've got the best stuff in a glass. We've got the best thing going. We've got the best experience you can have. There's nothing like it. And I'm not going to wake up next to somebody I don't know. And I'm not going to get up tomorrow morning with regret. And I'm not going to have a venereal disease of any kind because I was so blown out of my mind. I didn't even know what I was doing. I'm going to get up the next morning and say, joy comes in the morning. Because what I experienced last night was good and it's going to be better. Tomorrow is going to be better than today because he's got good for me. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, somebody. So much, so many mirages in this life. This is the good stuff, and it all is empty. It's so empty. When you get done, you feel lost in it. You feel confused. You don't have truly what you thought was being sold to you. The goods just are not there, but this drink, this spiritual drink, this power of the Holy Ghost is the best thing you could have because it doesn't just change from the inside out. It affects other people because they see it. And they're like, you must be drunk. And you're like, no, it's the Holy Ghost. Yeah, I dance and I shout and I get excited and I worship God. You know why? Because what's on the inside of me makes me love Him that much. Because the Holy Spirit gives me a walk with Him. So, my walk in the Spirit is important to me. It leaves me with no condemnation. Leaves me with no grit. Romans 8.1, I'm finishing. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. If you walk after the flesh, you will receive from those choices something that will leave you empty. But if you walk after the Spirit, there's no condemnation in that. There's no condemnation in that. Galatians 5.16, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's that simple. If we just strive for the Spirit, if we just get here every Sunday, we just start drinking. If we just lift our hands like we did earlier and we just like saturate ourselves and get under the, the overflow. If, we, if, if I set this glass here right now with water in it and I'm finishing, you can stand with me. We'll do that. We'll stand so that I know to stop. <laughs> if I set this glass here right now, it's got water in it. But if I leave it there for a long time, that's going to hide, that water is going to evaporate, amen? That cup will become dry. But if I took this same glass and I buried it in a bucket of water, it would never be empty because it's submerged. In our culture, there's so many people submerged in themselves and submerged in different ideologies and philosophies and submerged in so much confusion. We need to introduce them to a new place to dive, amen? a safe place to dive, a safe place to get under the Spirit of God. So
The Holy Spirit is that river. The Holy Spirit is that water. And no matter how you get in, don't take the steps. (laughs) Jump in, amen? Dive in. Never take the steps. Just get all the way in and let God change your life because you will not find this in a bottle. You will not find this in a drug. You can only find this in God's presence. Would you commit to me today as your pastor to pray your way out of your carnal mind this week? Would you get in a space? I'm not talking about driving to work. Thank you, Jesus. I'm glad I have a job. I praise you, Lord. And I have great experiences in the car. But would you dedicate some time this week just you and Jesus to go deeper and pray your way out of that carnal mind so you can have a spirit walk with God? And would you commit to me to going deeper? If God opens this building, will you commit to be there? Will you commit to be faithful? Will you commit to make it work so that we can have a reservoir and a place, a river for others to dive into? Can we create an environment so that there's a space for someone to get filled with God's Spirit? If one person gets filled with the Holy Ghost, we've done an amazing thing done an amazing thing bow your heads with me Jesus it's okay that we get lost in the overflow as long as it's your presence as long as it's your spirit there are some that are so drunk on things that do not satisfy there are people intoxicated with a relationship that is immoral and they're right now in a relationship where they know it's not healthy for them and, and that person is pushing them toward things that they don't want to go and do. God, would you help them in that relationship? There are other people that are drunk on business and they're so busy building a career that they've lost track of their God. There are other people that are just drunk, Lord Jesus, on making themselves look good to others trying to make sure their kids line up and their kids have good grades and they're at the top of their list. Lord God, I'm asking you to help families that think it's more important to look good than to be good. Would you help them to find a new place to dive? Would you help them to find a new place to get into the flow of God? Would you turn their hearts, Jesus, to a thirst again? that the place where they've camped out, the mirage in the wilderness, is not the place that satisfies. And would you show them living water? Would you let life spring be a source in a well? Oh God, oh God. Oh Lord, would you let this place be living water? In Jesus' name. Would you find a place and pray your way in to the Spirit? Would you just right now Take a moment and pray your way right into a deeper place with God. You need Him. You need Him. And if you want me to pray with you, I will. But I need to know Him more. I need to know Him greater. I need to know Him more powerfully. And only I can do that. It's my choice. It's a choice that I make today. I don't want to dry up. I don't want to feel lost and undone without. I want to be in His presence. I need Your presence.
this altar is open. If you want to come this way, I'll pray with you. If you want to pray where you are, just keep your head bowed and I will come pray with you. Make a commitment today. I don't want to drown in the things of this world. I don't want to be sucked in by things that do not satisfy. I want to get far enough away. I want to create enough separation between me that I can receive from you, God, and that I can dive deeper in your presence.